on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Is the wedding singer Adam Sandler's forgotten hit from the 90s? Is Drew Barrymore's first of many pairings with Sandler a winner? Why does the time jump from the 90s back to the 80s feel like so long? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me is a man who sang at my wedding way back when, <laughs> Daniel Amato, making his podcast debut. How you doing? Hello, John o. I am very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's good to be in this lovely booth of yours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we sang a song together with my brother at my wedding, if you don't remember. You, you made a confused look. There. What did we... What was the we song? We sang All You Need Is Love. Oh, remember? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I do now. I played guitar. You accompanied me. Crowd cried. But yeah, everyone wept. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but you're one of my great friends. We used to live together. We've watched many a movie together. Yeah. Shared many a laugh together. Mm-hmm. And because you're staying around this weekend, I thought, you know, what better way to boost the profile of my podcast than to have someone on with no social media presence? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about Wedding Singer, which was a movie you selected from a list of 90s films. Was there any particular reason this one struck your fancy? Um, I just have memories that were fond of yeah. that movie. Nothing specific, but I just probably liked it as a kid. Just laughed a lot and thought it was good. But it'll be good to see what it what it's like now, today, holding up all these years later, if I still laughed as much and mm. thought it was maybe cringeworthy or you know <laughs> however you change your mind on how you look at movies yeah it's uh it's a movie of sandler's back catalogue you know he came out swinging in the 90s with billy madison happy gilmore water boy and then i think it was this one uh and then big daddy which was really huge and i think this is the one that i've probably seen the least i reckon i might have only seen it once before once or twice and it probably wasn't until i was in my teenage years so it, it was good to actually watch it and it, it was almost like watching a, a movie for the first time really yeah. yeah is it one that you watched a lot as a kid or no not similar? really probably just like once or twice but thinking it was it was good then and being like okay mm. what's the story like now is it as good as it was so i was i was happy yeah <laughs> to be honest it was yeah it was pretty it was pretty good it's it's i think it's a movie that unlike those other ones i mentioned it's not as silly like it's no nowhere near as silly as a billy madison or a water boy he's playing a character that feels like it could be a real person more than anything else he's done up to this point which i think is something i said about big daddy as well and this just came out a year before that so this was probably the true first sign that he could do something grounded in the sense yeah yeah it probably is able to pull on more people's heartstrings and they can relate to that that movie there yeah especially when it's love who doesn't like a story about love oh yeah all you need is love Jono <laughs> true all you need is love <laughs> so yeah filmed for a pretty modest budget of 18 million dollars back then that's basically nothing I think we just did Liar Liar previously to that. And I reckon Jim Carrey 
himself was paid more than $18 million just to do that. So this was really, with with a decent cast too, with Drew Barrymore being a pretty big star, mm-hmm. I think they did it for a pretty tight budget. Made $123 million, so definitely um, a big hit. Do you have any uh, guesses as to the Rotten Tomatoes score for this one, where it would sit amongst the critics of the time? Ooh, mid-60s. Ooh, 68. That's a good one, Marto. Thanks. You nailed it. Yep. I've got a a comment here from the Globe and Mail saying, Finally, an Adam Sandler comedy that you can sit through without wanting to throw a mallet through your screen. There you go. There you go. (laughs) So I think that kind of is in line with what what I was referring to before, that, you know, he wasn't playing basically a juvenile Mm. with a temper, even though we do get glimpses of that um, common performance that Sandler does where he shouts and he loses his temper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it wasn't like central to who his character was in this movie. Yeah. Is that because he's more relatable? Yeah, I think so. I think being an 80s movie was probably the only thing they needed to do to make it quirky and, and fun. He didn't have to be cartoonish in the way that he is. Like in Billy Madison, he's basically playing someone with like severe de- developmental disability for it seems like for part of it and and then in happy gilmore he's playing someone with like extreme anger management issues yeah (laughs) (laughs) if we can just talk about sandler a little bit before we get going what do you think it is about him that has made him the star he was in the late 90s and still relevant today i should ask you that question (laughs) do you have an answer for it i think there's something about about him that's it's relatable in some ways he's just funny yeah <laughs> I, don't I don't like i don't like he's brought out stuff lately on netflix yeah and for some reason i'm like nah not really that keen to to watch it mm. and maybe that's because some of his older stuff probably wasn't as good as the early days yeah so i, I think it's a thing where he hasn't really changed and it's just that the style of comedy over years has changed and it's you know if you were to watch one of those earlier movies for the first time now it'd probably hit you the same way that some of these netflix movies do yeah that's true isn't it well the number one song when this movie released was uh janet jackson's together again in the u.s billboard charts and then over in australia all saints never ever did you ever get down to that one motto Never, Primary school. never, ever knew that song well. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I remember sing it right now for you. Yeah, I remember that being a big deal, All Saints. If we can get into some of the cast from this movie, What Have You Done For Me Lately? You mentioned Sandler's Netflix movies. Mm. Murder Mystery was one that I thought wasn't too bad, actually. But Hidden Gems is the, one, is the big movie he's done um, in the last 12 months that is a complete departure from his persona. And we talked about that on the Big Daddy podcast. Did you catch that one at all? No, I didn't see it. I mean, it looked really different to, as you said, what yeah. he's classically done. It's just so, like, dread-inducing and anxious. And it's it's kind of a thriller. It's, it's a movie where you feel like, oh, nothing much is happening, but because people are shouting the whole time and there's just, like, these high stakes, it just feels like, you know, a real just real dread and anxiety it's 
a, a different thing for him, but he's well suited to it because he has that like high, high energy kind of performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drew Barrymore. Have you seen Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix? I have not, no. That's no. a great series. That's probably the main thing she's done lately. She plays um, basically a zombie. <laughs> okay. Who's trying to keep her life together, um, consuming only bad people. And it's a, it's a comedy. Yeah. And it's re- it's actually very funny. Um, but yeah, she's kind of done nothing in Hollywood since Blended, which is another Adam Sandler film in 2014. Uh, they've done quite a few movies together. Haven't they just? Yeah. Fifty First Dates. Yeah. So there's something about... Like, they must like each other, they I must. guess. They must enjoy working together, yeah. for sure. What did you think of the chemistry in this movie between them? There's something there. I can see why they kind of went back to the well a couple more times. Yeah, absolutely. I think they do a good job mm. kind of hiding that they like each other and then, you know, kind of showing the emotions to other people and then it doesn't work out. So they then... I don't know, use that to do something silly or stupid and then regret it. <laughs> yeah, especially the scenes where they were kind of pretend, like there's a scene where they're pretending to be brother and sister. And that was kind of cute in yeah. a weird way. Like, yeah. This is like just very casual, light flirting when they were still getting to know each other as yeah. friends. But I felt like, you know, she didn't say, oh no, sorry, we're not, we're not ma- getting married. Yeah. She's let that one roll with it, which is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and... What do you think of her generally in this movie? Like, did you think she was had a good performance? Because there was parts of it where I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm feeling the charm of her. But then there are other times where, I don't know, the performance left a little something to be desired. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think overall it was good. I think overall she did a really good job mm. with it, and I think she does. There's the emotional scenes, well. Yeah. Though, you know, that that probably was the strength that she had. Like. She's done so much in her career. I'm trying to remember, like, apart from E.T., I'm trying to remember, like, what it kind of was. I think she had, like, a rough patch, and then she had a bit of a comeback in Batman Forever where she had, like, a really tiny part. She was, like, one or two faces, like, goons. I do not remember that. Yeah, so so Two-Face has, like, a woman that's dressed in one color with one color hair and then a woman dressed in a different color yeah. with different color hair. Yeah. And she was one of those okay. kind of like bimbos, I guess. And she like that. I remember like that was her like comeback to Hollywood, I think. Yeah. Right. And so that was like 96 or 95 or something. So I, I guess this, this is probably, I don't know if this was before or after never being kissed, but probably a quite significant, move for her to be like one of the leads again after kind of the, the rough patch of um, being the child star mm-hmm. and everything. And she's had a really good career since then, I think. And I, I think what like comedy is what she does better than anything else. Uh, Christine Taylor was the other probably biggish name in the movie, probably best known as like the Marsha Brady and the, the remake, like the movies of the Brady Bunch. Yeah. And then Dodgeball was probably... Probably her peak for yeah. me. She's great in that. And she's in the Zoolander movies too, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I love the Zoolander movies. Mm. But she hasn't really done much in the last few years. So what have you done for me lately? Not much. Um, Alan, I think his name's Alan Covert, unless my phone's autocorrected to something else. He's the guy playing the limo driver, Sammy. And he's in basically every Adam Sandler movie. Like he's got a, a big role in, in Big Daddy. 
that was one of the things that I wanted to segue straight into. Like, what's the most 90s moment of this movie? It's a movie set in the 80s, so this is a really difficult question to answer. But the cast of this movie felt very 90s to me, obviously. Sandler, Drew Barrymore, and then just the, almost the exact same cast as Big Daddy with appearances from, like, Steve Buscemi, the, the limo driver I mentioned, his friend had an appearance earlier in the movie... And yeah, it, like that was probably the, the closest thing I could find to something that screamed like 90s. Was there anything for you? Well, I was a bit ignorant on the 80s and the 90s because I'm like, look at these perms and these like bright colored clothes. And then you're like, this is an 80s movie. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, okay. I you should that. remember it too because you were around in the 80s. Well, look, I was born in the in 84. So. Yeah, okay. The late 80s, I remember things. But do you find it fascinating how it feels like the way they're dressed and how they look and the music and everything, it feels so... Like, the, the movie this was made in 90... Or released in 98. So it's only eight years removed from the 80s. Yeah. But it feels like they're doing something that's, like, so old. Yeah, I mean... Like, if a movie came out now that was set in... 2010 i don't think it would be that starch of a difference do you think that's because of just how like far we've evolved in terms of i don't know like technological things that you see or you don't see Mm. yeah i don't know I, i just think the 80s has such a distinctive style and i think that's what it must be because even like if you look at things that like say for example the outfits that adam sandler might wear in big daddy Mm-hmm. which came out in 99. I don't know necessarily if it would be that much different 20 years later, let alone just nine years later. Yeah, okay, yeah. So big, bold, big, bold things happened in the late 80s and the 90s. Yeah, I perhaps. guess it's just it's just a very, yeah, like obviously so many crazy outfits and colors, the perms you mentioned already. The soundtrack's awesome, which yeah, we'll get it's to. It's amazing. But yeah, I think, I just think the 80s, it's it's almost like if you if you want to make a movie funnier, just set it in the eighties, like Hot Tub Time Machine, eighties. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's it's done in a way now where like if you actually watch a movie that takes place in the eighties, like that was made back then, Breakfast Club or something, it doesn't feel as eighties as something that's taken now and set back then because we're picking everything that defines the yeah. decade to to show that this is the time and. I mean, it would be like if someone made a movie about the 2010s and it was like fidget spinners and like every <laughs> single cliche from the last 10 years wrapped into like 90 minutes. Yeah. And everyone's like, this is not what it was actually like. Yeah. It's like <laughs> memes constantly or yeah. whatever it is. Most iconic scene. What did you have for that one? Oh, you know, I think coming back to childhood memories mm. and then kind of waiting for it to come about and then you see it and you're like yeah that's such a good scene is <laughs> when he gets really depressed after she breaks up with him like the, the fiance the first like wedding he does and after then he does it. his first wedding and he's just super down and just singing miserably and everyone's like booing him and he's like i have the mic so it's my turn you have to listen to me and that was just so hilarious i'm like that's just the perfect reminiscent of what this movie was good mm. at doing yeah and which culminates in like the love stinks Yes. Um, and there's like a, a lot of great 
musical performances in this movie from Sandler. It's probably one of the reasons that they did the movie because like he, we know he loves singing and yeah. he's obviously like done um, songs that he's released or like performed on Saturday Night Live and that kind of thing. So I think he would have just loved to get a chance to do all that stuff. Mm. I had a similar one. It was the song that he performs for Drew Barrymore that he had written. Mm-hmm. The one that's like it's half from when he was in his relationship <laughs> yeah. and half after the breakup. And it's like, I hope you choke and die and all, and all that kind of thing. Like that was pretty hilarious and pretty iconic as well, I think. But the one that I, the other one that I wanted to bring up was the plane, like the climax of the movie mm-hmm. being up there with Billy Idol and like singing that song, like I want to grow old with you, which is actually like a legit good song, I think as well. Yeah. It'd be good to be sung that too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And Drew Bar- the like Drew Barrymore's character's reaction to that as well is so like sweet and um, it's kind of like yes she's not gonna go off with this jerk and marry him. yeah yeah I I really enjoyed that um that scene as well and it's funny that you know I, Billy Idol I wouldn't have known who he was <laughs> back when I was when I was watching that movie for the first time it's just some guy why is he why does he seem to be famous yeah I think I would have been the same like that's the name that I recognize like even now. Honestly, I don't know any Billy Idol songs. Mm. I mean, I probably do, but I don't know that they're by him. Yeah. Um, but he's obviously got that um, persona about him of like British rock star, 80, 80s rock star. I'm guessing he was in a punk band or something. Um, but yeah, just the way that he was engrossed in the story that he was telling as well. Yeah. It re- kind of remi- reminded me a little bit of the way that like Wayne's World used um, Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. In in that movie, so yeah, it's always always good to see aging rock stars show up in Absolutely. comedies. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, shout out to Ozzy Osbourne. So from there, what would you say holds up the best? I reckon that they did a really good job having little side characters that kind of made you laugh throughout mm. the movie. Yeah. And sometimes some movies do a really bad job of trying to put someone in there that is just like a bit of extra comedy relief. But having that old lady. I love that old lady. Mm, I think yeah, she the old hold, lady. She holds up really well. <laughs> it's almost like she's kind of flirting with him and she secretly loves him as well. Sometimes, I found. Do you remember that scene where she was like doing the weights and trying to impress oh, yeah. him? I'm like, why is she doing this? She's like super old. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> there, was some, there was some weird stuff that's like, why is this in here? But you can't help laughing even though it's so dumb. Yeah. Like when she gives him the meatball, like yes. she pays him for the singing lessons in meatballs and then she like squeezes his hands yep. so it's like just taking it to that next level of dumb it's like you do not want to eat those meatballs anymore i've yeah. just squashed them into your hands that and the um i love the old guy the the, yeah. the pub guy they're just kind of random hobo i guess yeah we'll get to him later actually i've got a category Ooh. set aside for that but he was pretty much everything he said was hilarious yeah <laughs> um okay so i had the soundtrack for this one because you know we just watched this movie together before recording and it was like every five minutes we like look at each other and be like yeah this is this is fun so to like whether it's the cure or it's like some one hit wonder from the 80s there's just so many songs or like references to songs van halen's in there journeys in there it's like this is the good thing about doing a period film i guess mm. and like a re- reference before being able to pick things to sum up the decade you can do that so well with music and music's one of those things that takes you like straight back to the time period um and 
they really did a great job of, of picking songs that set the tone for the movie and for the scene as mm. well whether it was like the cure boys don't cry yes that's so, like, so depressing isn't yeah. it like oh my gosh what a song they've chosen right now yeah or like whether it is at one of the actual weddings and it's like yeah this song would definitely have been playing at weddings like yeah. you spin me right around like <laughs> like the intro of this movie is really great too yeah. yeah i'm a sucker for good good song selection in movies like i loved guardians of the galaxy because i thought that soundtrack was amazing yeah. and this is similar like i will go home and like find this playlist and add it to one of my favorites Spotify. and i'll yeah i'll definitely listen to all these songs again for sure yeah so this is gonna, probably going to be fun what holds up the worst because i had yeah, you should start with this yeah. one. <laughs> this is so much like grossness in terms of like sexuality of, of the characters. Like it starts off with Christine Taylor's character saying that she showed the chef her boobs at a Christmas party so that he would treat her better. Mm. And like she says that like it was her choice and he didn't make her do it. But it's kind of implied like if you want to get a fair shake, you have to like lower yourself to that kind of thing. And I guess it was the 80s. Maybe they were trying to show how times have changed. But it's just like, ugh. And then, like, they're grabbing, they're, they're slapping her on the bum, and, like, the old man's grabbing her. There's so much groping happening in this movie. And then it all culminates in this scene where the, the bar mitzvah, <laughs> where really sweet moment, you know, Sandler's character gets um, Drew Barrymore to pick this, you know, chubby kid out to be danced with to make him feel better about being rejected and being called a loser that's great that's wholesome as mm. and then he squeezes her bum yeah it's like just... this 13 year old kid without obviously without consent just does just goes for it and you know i guess it could just kind of be this funny thing that is possibly realistic if it happens but then sandless characters like just go with it you know yeah just let it happen yeah and then they double down and it happens again with even worse circumstances. Sandler's character is dancing with a 13-year-old girl, presumably, and he puts her hands on his own tush. It's so bad. And it's like, what is happening? That would not happen today. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing to try to make light of or something. Like, I don't get it, and it doesn't, it doesn't sit well. There's just so many all. implications. And, like, we've seen so much stuff in news and, like catholic churches and all kinds of things where it's like to do this in especially like just in front of everybody like it doesn't mean anything is um it's bizarre and it's a a bit tone deaf to the maybe it speaks to the innocence of the time where you could do it and it not like i don't remember anyone ever referencing this before Mm. making it out that it was a controversial thing to include in a movie but if you put that in now can you imagine like what people would say about it well, I just, it, it reminds me of friends that I know that, you know, are waitresses and that guys will grab their butts. That was one of the scenes mm. at probably the first, one of the first weddings where some old guy yeah. slapped, slapped Drew Barrymore's character on the butt and just kind of like every bit of a smile and she was shocked. And it's yeah. like, that's... But she also didn't like call him out on it. And I understand that might be a difficult thing for someone working to stand up to mm. someone, but I feel like women are a lot more empowered today to tell people that it's not acceptable or to go to like their boss and complain about it yeah you'd hope so wouldn't you yeah. absolutely yeah so what were you saying like you've got friends that have experienced this kind of yeah thing. that and that kind of like shocks me that people would actually do that and think that it's okay yeah. to 
do that to a waitress or someone. It, maybe they're not like it. Like you wouldn't do it to a doctor. You can't imagine someone. Well, you you wouldn't even do it to a stripper, from what I understand about how those venues work. Like you get kicked out because it's not appropriate. Can't like, say I know from experience. Well, me neither. <laughs> but I just like you, you like. <laughs> You just hear like no touching like that just seems like a general basic rule mm. like <laughs> keep your hands to yourself yeah yeah oh man so that, yeah it's it's just a, a weird scene the bar mitzvah and we like looked at each other and we're like what is going on yeah. here the th- like the three of us with hannah watching as well we were just all like is this happening yeah like, i know it oh, was man. it was just crazy yeah and I guess going from there, would you say who who would be the most offended by this movie if it did come out today? Well, your wife made a good point because mm. you know, being a man, shamefully, you know, I see, shamefully, I see. Well, <laughs> don't be ashamed. I see things through man eyes. Yes, and I don't really actually pick up on this too much. But she was saying that she's like, ah, the women in this movie—they're like one or two things. Mm. They're either like super moody. And then they go and make like dumb, irrational decisions based on their emotions. And she's like, I find that so frustrating. Yeah. I think she said they're super easy or they're dumb. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you have like characters that they're being like very promiscuous okay. or they're just completely clueless was the other word she used. Yeah. Where she, like Drew Barrymore's character is being like cheated on and she has no idea. Like mm. she has no idea that her fiance and, and, and boyfriend of like, however many years is a complete dirt bag. And I guess it's possible that that could be hidden, but it's like, really like it's so obvious to the viewer, even before he outwardly even like admits that he's cheating on her. You can just tell this guy's a jerk. And I, yeah, I think that frustrated her. Yeah. I mean, we, we can, from our perspective, you know, it's interesting actually, obviously I won't use names, but I was speaking to someone about their marriage and how the husband was cheating on her um, on mm. his wife and the funny thing is is that you know you can be in denial for a long time because you really don't want that to happen because you want you want the marriage to last you want to stay together you've mm. always dreamed about finding someone and living happily ever after together forever and you know if there's a sign where it's not quite right or something weird yeah. that's happening you could just be like no 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 I'm, I'm thinking silly it's not right I, I, I want this to be good I have this this picture of what I want my life to be like and therefore I'll kind of do what I have to do um, in order to make it work. Mm. So in that sense, yeah, we can see it. And it's frustrating for us. But then at the same time, people in that who have this, this is what I want my life to look like, but it doesn't work out, will possibly do or be blinded to things that they know they shouldn't be in order to hope for the best in the long run. Yeah, that's a really good point, I think. And like, that's probably more a personality thing. Like, there'll be people that would be paranoid that their partner is stepping out on them. So they're looking for all these signs. And then there are people that just wouldn't want to believe that it's possible. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. that's a good point. And I, but I think the point that in the movie that kind of triggered Hannah was like when she went to, I, I don't know if it was to express herself or to confess her, her feelings to, Adam Sandler's character mm. and his his ex or his ex fiance answered the door, and being hurt by that, she decided. Even though my wedding is like in two days, let's go to Las Vegas and get married tomorrow. Which mm-hmm. <laughs> really irrational kind of decision, I guess. And yeah. that, that was the one that tipped her over the edge. Yep. There's a character in the movie that I believe is 
presented as a crossdresser. George is the name of the character. And it's, it's kind of not completely clear what the point of that character is. Like if we're meant to be laughing at them or, or not. Um, and being of the time it was made, I feel like we probably are like it's, they're presented as like, here's this weird person. Mm -hmm. And the characters, like whenever George is the one singing instead of Sandler's character, everyone in the wedding, all the wedding guests are kind of like down on her and shouting at her and, or him in this film. And it's like being that like this, the social cultural norms of, uh, gender and stuff have changed so much since this movie. It just, it feels kind of weird to not really know the purpose of including that in there as, as comedy. Did you, did you feel like confused by that as, as well? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit confused because I felt like the character was there to, um, kind of, I don't know, laugh, laugh at a little bit sometimes because, mm. you know, the, even the, his ability to sing wasn't, yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was that bad. Like, people bad. are booing him at weddings. It's like, who boos a wedding singer? <laughs> yeah. But then he's like, well, I have one, I'm a one hit wonder. I only know one song. And Adam Sandler's character isn't back yet, so let's sing it again. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like you're you're an idiot kind of yeah. kind of thing, I think. Yeah, so I That's think. That's the way that we're, he's portrayed. So, in that sense, I think there are people that might be offended by that, but. It's not like a big part of the movie, so I think it's something you can overlook at least. Yeah. So in terms of like where this movie sits amongst like the movies of its era, do you think it's still relevant today? Do you think it passes that test of being like internet on the internet relevant? Oh, not for me. Not for me personally. Yeah. I I kind of have my select type of comedy or ways mm. that I interact with my friends and we have similar type of TV shows or movies that we all like. And I can, I can definitely say that I would not be quoting anything from the, from the <laughs> wedding singer or like using any gifts to kind of share a funny joke. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one reaction gift that I see from this movie and it's like John Lovett's character, like at the side of the stage, watching him perform the song. Um, he was like the other wedding singer yeah. in that scene. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, so that that's something. And it's not even like a really memorable moment of the movie. It's just one that for whatever reasons become like semi-searchable for, on, on the search engine for whatever reason. Yeah, right. Um, but <laughs> You yeah. can't pick those, can you? You never know what's going to be yeah, searchable right. <laughs> and what people are going to love. Yeah, so I'm with you. Like, I think also because Sandler has so many other movies that are probably more iconic in their like imagery and in how silly they are like we've talked about already billy madison happy gilmore yeah. those movies are super relevant i can definitely say i've happy gilmore gilmore people something yeah to just say whatever it's all in the hips yeah <laughs> something like that like yeah this movie doesn't really have the quotable moments in the same way as those other films it's for as, as much as we both i think we both enjoyed it probably more than if we sat down and watched Billy Madison or a Happy Gilmore now. I think that this one's probably more enjoyable, but at the same time, yeah, not super quotable. There's the something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, which is something that I, I know like Jimmy Fallon does that when he's impersonating Sandler. And that's kind of one of his like, it's just like one of his go-to comedic like 
expressions the way his voice raises like that but you could almost use that yeah. to do anything couldn't you raise, you could, raise yeah. the voice at the right time to say whatever you needed to say yeah pretty much yeah. like oh sound the quote <laughs> how do you think smartphones and social media would change this movie Ooh, not much i'm gonna call it right now and say mm. it's not really about trying to solve a crime or trying to use technology to you know advance advance the future yeah i mean i think socially there's a few things like i mean you already mentioned before about your friend with the situation with the um you know infidelity yeah but i I feel like it would be harder to for this character glenn the villain of the movie to have this secret life um where he's essentially cheating on his fiance all the time if there was like cameras and social media like i feel like there's more chance that he gets caught doing some of that stuff yeah that's very true Um, isn't it and especially like when he shows up to the bar and confronts sandler's character and he's obviously like with these women and everything like that's something that'll be really easy to just like whip out your phone and film him and then like that is something that is there as evidence that he's a dirtbag yeah it's like case closed yeah (laughs) busted buddy and then like i think you mentioned the the plane scene when we were watching it like him doing that performance on the plane playing guitar with this song that he wrote on the way to the airport that's the kind of thing where like everyone was paying attention and watching yeah but if it was happening now everyone would have their phones out absolutely wouldn't they and it would be like going up on youtube and having like all these hits and It'd probably be a TikTok. Do you use TikTok? Don't use TikTok. Me neither. That's good. Yeah, we're old, hey? I know. <laughs> I'm proud of that. Yeah, I, I guess I am too. I don't need the, the Chinese government getting my um, all my information. That's what they say, isn't it? More than they probably already do. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think you could make this movie today? And what would it look like? Haven't uh, Maroon 5 already done this? <laughs> In a film clip? Oh, have they? Well, a wedding singer. They go around surprising at people's weddings and they're hiding behind a curtain and then they jump out and then it's Maroon 5 playing at your wedding. Like, oh my gosh, everyone's screaming. <laughs> it's like an official film clip. Whether that was true I or not. I missed that. Whether those mm. people were really surprised and they or wasn't all set up, I don't know. But I feel like it'd be more like, I don't know, could be more like that. could be a, a documentary. A documentary. Done in that way. <laughs> we're going to go around surprising people at their weddings. It's not really what the movie's about, though, is it, Mario? Not really. I'm just I, I'm just tangenting here. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think it's it's a pretty basic formula for a movie, isn't it? Like it's a rom com, mm-hmm. and there's nothing about it that there's nothing about the humor that wouldn't work now. I don't think. I think you could easily make it. You know, um, James Franco is the wedding singer or whatever. Like, it would still work, and I think it would still be funny. So there's no reason that you couldn't make the same type of movie today where, you know, as opposed to, I don't think you could make Billy Madison today or Happy mm. Gilmore. Do people have, are they having wedding singers these days? Well, I get, this is the thing, like, is a wedding singer an actual title? Is it just not the wedding band and then the singer of the wedding band? Like, I've been to weddings that have bands and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. But I don't remember, like anyone singling out like the wedding singer yeah none me neither are they sort of like a, a singer are they like an MC as well a little bit maybe yeah, where they maybe. take on a few extra roles I don't know weddings have probably changed a lot since the 80s haven't they yeah we didn't go to too many when I was born 
<laughs> he does only he steps up in one instance in the movie when the best man does like a terrible speech and yeah. then kind of takes over to steer the ship right but for the most part i feel like they were just a wedding band like even the other wedding singer we saw john lovitz it was like him and his band so mm. yeah i think it's just a cool name for a movie is the reason they refer to it that way yeah yeah before we move on to the uh, to the award category for this film, some useless trivia. Judd Apatow, Carrie Fisher, and Adam Sandler each had roles in writing the script or rewriting the script for this movie. So, Princess Leia. Yeah, amazing. Like, who would have thought? Just I know. Com- comedic, like, script doctor. So, shout out to Carrie Fisher. Rest in peace, Princess Leia. The Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. This is where we award a performer who shows up, they do their thing, and then they're gone. And they just hit it every time. They light up the screen. It's named after Steve Buscemi, and he's one of the nominees for this episode. He shows up at the start of the movie, basically the first scene, and he does like an, a terrible best man speech and a, a fantastic performance as a drunk guy in the alley when he's like tripping over himself and like smashing his uh his his beer everywhere i was pretty sure from the start that he was gonna get this award but then carmen filpy shows up aka old guy are we gonna have like music going bum 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 <laughs> the old guy you mentioned yeah um i knew you'd bring him back he was here. awesome right oh you already br- brought it up and i looked him up i looked up his like filmography yeah and since like 1950 so almost for 50 years he was known in hollywood for roles such as bum wino homeless <laughs> man like every three movies his title would be one of these things old guy crusty old man um old man withers in wayne's world just this completely amazing character actor that just seemingly plays the same old guy every time and he does it so well i think we should give him the award i 100 percent agree with you there yeah i mean it feels it feels rough to not give it to steve buscemi but he's had op- other opportunities and he has won it once before so do you know that adele once said that she went into a um like a a fake adele singing contest she came third place <sighs> that's she, funny she was adele that's she didn't win it I think um, uh, Andy Kaufman went into a Tony Clifton impersonation oh, really? and came like second or something. <laughs> like in, Who like are these the judges? Series. Who are judging these shows? Hey, you gotta you got to be on your best game every single night. To, otherwise, someone else can step in and do your job better than you. That's it. That's it. Oh, man. So, yeah, shout out to Carmen Filpy, a man whose name will not be remembered. But uh, his performances sure will as bum, wino, homeless man, and crusty old man. We should probably go after this and look up YouTube and see if there's someone's just done edited clips of all of 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 his. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. It'll be there, surely. I'm sure it would be a high strike rate for like how funny it is. Pretty much last question we've got through, we've flown through this movie. Uh, Is Wedding Singer still a good movie? Tell me why. Yes. And why? And why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just was engaged the whole time. Hmm. Even though I've seen it a long time ago, there wasn't a part where I was like looking at my watch or waiting for it to end. Yeah. I was just, I was there, locked in, baby, the whole time from start to finish and laughing. 
and though you know the ending, you still you still enjoy what happened and the journey you take to get there. Yeah, I agree. Like I think as a character that you can like in Adam Sandler's character, um, there's nothing about him that really grates on you, or you think like, oh, he's an idiot or anything like that. Whereas other, often other performances, you know, he's he's either a psycho or he's an idiot or he's. Mm you know, the son of the devil or whatever, little Nicky. <laughs> um, so in this movie, it's like, yeah, you want him to get the girl. He gets yeah. dumped at the altar. You feel bad for him. You just want him. And it's obvious where the movie's going with, with you know, the, the love interest, but you just want it to work out for him. Um, and the movie's got that great mix of comedic moments and guest appearances from people like John Lovitz and Kevin Nealon but also all the musical moments too that mm. it really helps push it along and keep it feeling fresh and like it, it just keeps things interesting I guess because you never you know everyone loves a great 80s banger and yeah. they as, as they're peppered through the movie they really um, keep it interesting but then you've got actual performances from Sandler whether it's the song that he plays for Drew Barrymore in the middle of the movie or the song that he plays at the end, those songs work really well as comedy as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that really works. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my agreeance with you. I should say like, yes, it's still a good movie. (laughs) I feel like to sum it up, we should say that no one wants the nice guy to finish last. And Adam Sandler, I think in this is, he's a nice guy. looks after the spewing up little kid. True. And, you know, he's helping with Drew Barrymore's wedding. He's trying to help her out. And, you know, you kind of grow to want him to come out on top in the end. Yeah. And, and it's, and again, different from other characters he's played where they, like, really make a point of showing how good he is. They're like, oh, he's like, oh, I don't drink. And when he's with Christine Taylor's character, he doesn't, like, take advantage of the fact that she's willing to sleep with him because he just doesn't feel anything for her like he's who does that (laughs) other probably other characters might or other people in real life might (laughs) but yeah i just think that it's a it's a character that it's not going to be like i can't even remember what his name was in the movie to be honest but it's it's a (laughs) it's one that i i will look back fondly at the memory of watching the movie more than like having these specific (laughs) memories about it for whatever reason yeah so it's not it's not like an amazing movie that's like I'm going to want to watch every 12 months or anything, mm-hmm. but it's perfectly fine. 90s movie. It, it holds up. You can watch it now. It doesn't feel old, even though it's about characters in the eighties. Yeah. Yep. And I think that, yeah, from that perspective, it gets the comedy rewind tick of approval. All right. There you go. I'm glad we could help out all our wonderful listeners to yeah. watch it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Mato, for joining us. Uh, I would say that people can find you on social media, but they probably can't. Probably not. No. It's so okay. If you've you got a message for Mato, you can let me know and I'll pass it on to him. Yeah. You can catch me on all socials at Jono himself. Uh, obviously, you can support the 8-Bit Collective, which this podcast is part of, by going over to patreon.com slash weare8bit. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. And for the month of July, all the uh, Patreon money and proceeds from 8-Bit merchandise is going towards Black Lives Matters charities, both in Australia and the US. So get behind a good cause and get yourself some sweet merchandise. 
And any parting words for our dear listeners, Marto? Have a good night's sleep. Yeah. Very important. And if it's the morning, have a, have a great day. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And uh, have a nap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think our next episode is going to be Mrs. Doubtfire, so you can look forward to that one. It's a, another great Robin Williams movie. I don't know if we've done a Robin Williams movie yet, so that's that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. But until next time, dear listeners, thank you for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind.